Hey everyone, it's Dave Hagan. Today I want to talk about getting rid of your credit cards. The amount of credit card debt in this country is really a problem and we want to help you keep it away from your door. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Yeah, thanks, Nick. A few podcasts ago, I laid out my five steps to financial freedom. For those of you that missed, the steps are one, get rid of the cards, two, know your flow, three, eliminate debt immediately, four, create an emergency fund, and five, Put 15% into retirement. The ultimate goal being to do whatever you want to do each month with the money that you have left over. Today, I want to focus just on step number one, get rid of the cards. Now, the answer to this might seem quite simple at first. Hey, just take the cards out of your wallet, right? Cut them up, put them in a drawer, you're done. Well, it's a much bigger issue than that, and the problems are even deeper than any of us might imagine. So first, I want to take a look at the big picture. Get this. As a country, we spend more than $4 trillion through our credit cards each year. Let's put that into context. The United States government has a budget of $3.7 trillion per year. Of this amount, approximately $2.5 trillion is spent on health and retirement benefits. Almost everything else, approximately $1.1 trillion, is spent on running the entire United States government. We also spend about $0.2 trillion on debt service, but that could be the topic of an entirely different and separate podcast altogether. Accordingly, we run through our credit cards per year about four times what the American government spends each year. Currently, Americans have approximately $3.5 trillion in debt. Of this amount, approximately $1.1 trillion is debt built up on credit cards. Another $1 trillion is for buying cars, and $1.3 trillion has built up for student loans. These numbers are at all-time historical highs. Now, probably one of the first things you notice about these numbers is that there's more student loan debt in this country than credit card debt. Believe me, that will be the topic of several podcasts later on down the line. The average American household averages 2.2 major credit cards and 1.5 store credit cards. The average balance on a credit card is $5,000. However, only one-third of all American households carry debt. Therefore, if you do the math, those households that have credit card debt average about mm, $15,000 or more. Perhaps the most difficult fact is that the average interest rate on credit cards is 17.5%. Now, money doubles in your bank account every seven years if you get 10%. Debt also grows at this rate. This is really dangerous. Now, I don't know about you, but these statistics scare me half to death. What's in your wallet? Now, don't get me wrong. I acknowledge that we all need to carry a credit card or a debit card to get around in today's society. You need a credit card to purchase items on the internet. You need a credit card pretty much to rent a car or even to get your car towed. However, many people carry many more than one card and allow the balances to build up. Obviously, this is financial suicide. Also, don't believe for a moment that I think that the credit cards are necessarily evil. 
You have to remember that I'm a lawyer trained to appreciate the benefits of the First Amendment and freedom of speech. However, these credit cards are becoming more and more of a game. They're becoming more of a dangerous game. And they're becoming less and less of a truthful game. Hey, what's in your wallet? If you have any credit card balances, consider this. How many of your credit cards did you actually apply for? If you're typical, I'll bet very few. We have most of our credit cards because we got a solicitation in the mail. I don't know about you, but I get at least one solicitation every day in the mail. Again, I want you to consider what's in your wallet. What is this debt? Well, it's mostly junk. If you have any balances on credit cards, think of what you got for that money. Dinners, plane tickets, stuff, just stuff. Stuff that doesn't appreciate in value, stuff that's over and done with, stuff that's gone. It's junk debt. Basically, a credit card is a 20% loan, or as we know now, at least a 17.5% loan on average, right? But why would we buy stuff at 17 or 21%? Why would we knowingly borrow money at this rate? As a country, we actually owe $1 trillion at an average of 17%. Does this really sound like a good idea to you now that you know a little bit about this? Indulge me for a moment with a few stories. I had four credit cards that I used to leave at home. They each had a $5,000 balance. I kept them in my socks drawer at home. Now, one day my wife was going through my socks drawer and she saw these credit cards. You'd think that she found drugs. Now, you see, my wife's a CPA and she really keeps me in line financially. And she says to me, well, what are these? She throws them down on the table. I looked at him and I said, well, you know, what if uh, we ever need $20,000 just in case? We've got some quick money. We've got some financial backup. Now, being the CPA that she is, she asked me, when would we ever borrow money or be hard up enough to borrow money knowingly at 21%? You know, I had to think about it. And uh, like so many times, but not always, she was right. So I sent the cards back. Now, the credit card companies had a fit. They called me up and they said, you've been such a good account, we want to keep you and we'll waive the membership fee, we'll lower the interest rate. After they said all this, I said, y you know what, I, I really just don't need them. Then they said, well, we'll increase your credit limit. And I said, well, isn't that the problem? I don't need any more of this. I sent them all back, but they put up a fight. Another example, and by the way, all these stories are true. I had a credit card company send me a solicitation that said they'd give me a credit card with a $10,000 limit at 7%. Actually, it was a pretty good deal. So I said, all right, all right, send me out the card. So they sent me the card, and I put it in that same secret little socks drawer that I have. Almost a year later, I got a phone call. It was a college kid uh, calling on behalf of the credit card company, and he said he wanted to confirm receipt of the cards. And, and I thought for a minute, gee, I haven't gotten any cards lately. And he says, well, it's the da-da-da-da card. And I said, well, gee, I, I got that card almost a year ago, and it's been sitting in a drawer, and what's the real reason for this call? Well, now the kid says, you're not using the card. And I said to him, well, you, you know, that's the whole idea. I don't want to be using it. I'm, I'm using it as a backup card. I guess you could say I completely hadn't learned the lesson from my wife yet. And then he says to me, do you know we're running a special deal right now? We can get you a cash advance up to $10,000 at a low interest rate. In fact, we'll send you out the checks and you can have the money next week. Now, it took him two minutes to hook me. I'm thinking about painting the house. I can put in a new redwood deck, maybe even get a new stereo unit. This is a while ago, right? I meant I had those checks used up to a full $10,000 in two minutes. 
And mind you, I see my role in society is telling people, hey, be careful. Don't run up these kinds of debts. And it took him two minutes to get me going down that path. How must it be for anyone else? I should know better. Finally, I shook myself and said, you know, I don't want it. In fact, cancel the card. I don't want to pay the membership fee every year if I'm paying one. Now, the kid had a real fit because he thought he had a sale and then it turned around to be a total defeat for him. So he says, you know what? We'll waive the membership fee. And I said to him, well, you know, I kind of expected you to do that anyway. And in fact, I hear there's lots of cards out there that don't charge a yearly membership fee. So then he says to me, well, we can get you a better interest rate. We'll get you on the line here with the credit counselor right away. Hold on, I'll get someone on the line and we'll get you a better interest rate. And at that point, I had to stop myself and say, you know, I just don't need the card. And now that you've brought it up, I'm sending it back. I guess I didn't make his day. But the story is, and the point of the story is, if they can hook me, it's got to be a little easier to at least hook somebody else. The point that I'm trying to make here is that these cards are very, very dangerous. It's only human nature to use them. In fact, I saw a credit card advertisement some time ago and it said, it's the blah, blah, blah card. It's smart money. Now, I thought about that for a minute. Maybe it's prestigious. Maybe it's convenient. uh, Maybe it's a lot of other things, but it's anything but smart money. In fact, it's dumb money. It's really dumb money when you think about it. Okay, let's hope I've now convinced you what a huge problem credit card debt is and um, uh, what an amazingly stupid proposition it is for each of us. How do we deal with it? How do we get rid of the cards? Perhaps the easiest answer is simply to take them out of your wallet, wrap a rubber band around them, and put them in a drawer. For me, it'd be the socks drawer. This is easy, simple, immediate. However, they still tempt us while they're sitting there in the drawer, quietly waiting for us to come back. Another way to deal with this issue, especially if you're a compulsive spender, is to have your friend hold the credit cards. This way, if you want to use them for something, you have to go to the friend and get the card. This allows a cooling off period and allows you some time if you decide that you really want to use the card. Another way to deal with this issue that I think is kind of interesting is to put them in a milk carton, fill it with water, and freeze it. This way, if you're tempted to impulse spend, you've got to wait for that block of ice to thaw. Now, again, this is for people who tend to spend impulsively. Another way to deal with this issue is to just cut the cards up. If you choose this method, make sure you cut through the embossed numbers and the metal strip on the back so as to render the card completely unusable. However, if you really need to use the card in the future, like if your car breaks down on the side of the highway, you won't have a credit card available to you. For this reason, this isn't really my first choice. For people that are truly impulsive spenders, there are 12-step programs you can go to where they have meetings and a group of friends around you who encourage you to resist the temptation to spend impulsively. I'm not a big fan of closing all your credit accounts. You never know when you might run into a really drastic circumstances where you might need to use one. Further, closing all your credit cards kind of can affect your credit rating. I'm not a big fan of doing things simply to maintain a credit rating. However, if you can choose an alternative strategy that won't affect your credit rating, I suppose the other alternative is better. The most important thing is to do something now, today, like right now, today. Reach down into your wallet, whether it's in your pocket or your purse, take out all the credit cards, wrap them up in a rubber band, and put them in a drawer, today. By the way, while we're at it, take a look at the monthly statements and make sure no one's charging you on a monthly basis. Yeah, I know all about Netflix. Go ahead and do that. 
but everyone wants to charge you on a monthly basis, basically without your permission. And take a look at Microsoft products. If you let them bill your account every month, and it's only 5 or $6 a month, they'll let you use their full suite of products. Now, these are great products. However, is it really worth it to pay them this amount of money every single month? I'm not so sure. This is especially true, and by the way, other products are available, such as Google Docs, which are basically free. Yes, I know there's privacy issues potentially with Google Docs. However, a free, relatively robust word processing program for free is pretty attractive, especially when stacked up against a monthly charge with other software. Now, don't let the credit cards get the best of you. Just get rid of them. If you must, carry one with a low balance. Carry one that's got a low credit limit. Or many people like the way a debit card functions. In either event, don't carry more than one. It's too complicated and too dangerous. If you can get through the month with only carrying one, you're better off than almost everybody else. So three points in closing. Credit cards and the credit card industry are a huge problem in this country. Balances on credit cards will sap the financial muscle right out of your financial plan. Separate yourself from your credit cards so you don't continue to use them and you can get yourself on the path to financial security. This is Dave Hagan, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagen.com. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button in your app. You will automatically get a reminder each time Dave uploads a new episode. Or you can use the app to share this episode with your friends and family. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right, we're back. I've got Brian Reed with me here, my colleague Hi, for many years. I got Nick Capel, our announcer. Hey, everyone. So we're looking at uh, some emails. Let's start with uh, Brian. Brian, what do you got for us? I'm going to filter out some of the extraneous stuff and uh, give this one to you, Dave, in kind of a bullet point, okay? All right. Married man. Uh, he's officially separated from his wife, um, but for financial reasons, they're still living together, and that cannot be easy. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, divorce paperwork has been filed, but it's not official yet. And here's where it gets interesting. Uh, apparently, this gentleman rear-ended someone last night, and his insurance, auto insurance, had lapsed. So he's fine. The driver of the other vehicle is fine. But financially, he's now in trouble because he's got obviously going to have to cover all of these other expenses. Um, getting through all of that, the, the final thing that he writes is, do I need to list my wife's assets in my bankruptcy? I'm going to do it myself. I think I can. Thanks. Whoa, there's just a lot going on there. <laughs> and some things that we don't even want to know about or inquire. Um, wow. All right, so... The, the answer to this is probably going to vary um, from state to state because some of this um, is going to deal with uh, community property law. Uh, they filed the bankruptcy paperwork, but they're living under the same household. In California, the law used to be that they would not be considered separated. 
Um, the governor signed something last year, year before last, so that now people who are separated but living under the same house can be legally separated. The reason that that's important is because debts incurred after separation belong to the person that incurred the debt, basically. I'm being very, very simplistic about this. So, um, you know, is she going to be liable on the debt? No, she, she didn't do it. Could the community property be liable for the repayment of that separate property liability, perhaps? Um, the fact that there's no insurance is really problematic. Um, and then I, and then the final question is, should, should he, well, not the final question, the second to last question, I guess, is should he list um, all of her assets um, on his bankruptcy petition? Well, uh, under the federal bankruptcy law, he's, he needs to include all of his separate property plus all the community property. We don't yeah, know from the yeah we don't know from the example whether um, you know she has separate property assets or community property assets. We don't know whether they've divided their community property assets and the division itself could be a problem. So that's a real messy, messy thing. And should he do this himself? No, do I mean, it himself. Oh my that's goodness, the... no, um, because you, you could end up having creating problems for the wife. You could end up creating problems for him, and in, in terms of dealing with a United States bankruptcy trustee. Um, ultimately, he could uh, um, find himself looking at some kind of a referral to the uh, Justice Department for intentionally failing to disclose assets. If he doesn't do it right, he, he really, really needs a lawyer with something like this. Um, but getting back to the first issue, super interesting. Here you can have in California, under current new law, a couple living together um, but being legally separated. And they did that primarily because the legislature acknowledged that people um, economically just couldn't afford always to have two households when they were separated. The, the problem becomes now the courts are going to be digging into whether these people are really separated. And it sounds like a who's sleeping where kind of a thing. And um, it's kind of like nobody's business. But now the law is making it. But it's going to become the business oh, of my the goodness. bankruptcy yeah. court because they're going to try and figure out it's their job. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. And the, the divorce attorneys. Oh, my goodness. This is like this is like fresh fish in the water for them. They are going to really enjoy this. So, yeah, I, I understand what the legislation was trying to do, but it's it's also going to create some some problems as a result. So. He certainly should get an attorney. If he's going to file bankruptcy, he certainly should let his spouse know. The spouse should get some idea what her upside and downside should be. Um, and it's actually, in this case, it's in the spouse's benefit to have him get an attorney, to make sure it's clean for her. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Maybe she wants separate counsel. Um, the fact that they're separated but not yet divorced Means they it's, could potentially file on the official, same petition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not official. They could file on the same petition. She could be included at typically no extra cost, and she then would have the peace of mind of knowing that, you know, these creditors would not be coming after assets that she has. Um, unfortunately, it also means that she'll be a participant in a bankruptcy, which isn't the end of the world, but um, golly, for something that your soon-to-be ex-husband did for no insurance while you were living under the same roof and separated... That's tough. That's gonna be a, a cold couple of weeks. Yeah, that's in that, that household. That, that's um, that's pretty tough. All Sorry, right. buddy. Yeah. 
Well, you know, that's all the time we have for, actually. So I want to remind our listeners to subscribe if you like what you're hearing. Go to your phone and hit the subscribe button. You'll get notices of future podcasts. We're hoping to do one uh, just about every week. And if you like what you're hearing, if you like the action, refer it to others. There's a button there on your podcast application to do the same thing. Refer us to others. The more people that listen, the better. Well, that's all we have time for today. This is David Hagen, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagen.com. Until next week, this is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.